Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hey, Matt. Hi, buddy. I think we're about to have fun. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how well do you know our guest, Will? and Angela. I have never met them. This is going to be so good. <laughs> but I have seen them. People talk about them behind their back. I know. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's so probably, cool. Probably good talk, though. Yes, it's all good. Yeah. That's as far as I've heard. And me too. First of all, welcome to Cent 315. Thanks. So glad you're here. So many of the people that I bring on, there's people that are authors, and we just had the mayor on and all of that. But then a lot of the people are just from our family at Foothills. I try to make everybody jealous so they'll all go to Foothills. How long have you guys been at Foothills? How long have you been there? Maybe less than five months. Yeah, four months. And then I finally caught up with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as this conversation unfolds, everyone will understand why I wanted to share you with them. But I'd just like to ask, how'd you guys come to the Lord? How did that happen? It's uh, make it short. Take um, all your time you want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was raised as atheist, and my whole family was atheist. And I stayed like that until I started studying in the medical field, like a medical university to prepare to be a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. And I remember that there was anatomy a session, like a practical when you take the cadaver. Forgive my accent. I understand so. <laughs> what you're saying. She said cadaver. Cadaver. <laughs> First time so, that's ever been talked about on Cent 350. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my favorite class. So I used to be the, the dissector of the group to dissect the cadaver. And I like that a lot. I remember one time I was doing this and there was a group of nerves under the arm. It's called brachial plexus. From this area, nerves originate to go to the chest and the upper arm. And during this session, I asked myself a question. Who made this? And then after I started asking this question more and more, uh, when I started studying physiology and embryology and all these sciences. And because these things, when you study the body, our body physically, it's a nonsense. I'm sorry to say it like that, but you have to admit that there is someone who made this body. And I started asking myself these questions over and over until I reached to a um, situation, I left a studying medical material for one year. And instead, I started reading books about religions, gods, and all these things. And I started searching. I remember that I read the Bible. We had the Bible in the library in our house. Mm-hmm. And it was just left there with the history and things. And then I started reading. And then I realized in my mind that, yes. I like this God more, the God this book's talking about maybe is real. And that was in my mind here, it was not my brain. And then I left it. After months, I was sitting in my room and I was just thinking about this more and more. 
And finally, something or someone or maybe myself, I thought, oh, okay, let me just, my friend gave me a few weeks ago a book, a, like a small book, and I put it in the pocket and I forgot it there. And then I went, took it, and it was talking about Jesus. Very simple, was talking that we are sinners and we need a salvation and all these facts, they are simple about God, like God, Son, Holy Spirit, and Jesus came and died for us and he was resurrected. And if you want to have eternal life, you just pray this prayer. And I prayed the prayer, Lord Jesus, come to come into my life. It's very simple. Come into my life, forgive my sins, and I give you my life and my future. And all of a sudden, I felt that there is something like light coming into me. And as if my spirit and soul were dead, and something like life came in, into me, and that was mm, like in the moment, was sudden. And I was really happy. <laughs> and then I called my friend and I told her this thing happened to me. And then she said, yeah, this is great because <laughs> is you great. are born again now. I told her, yes, I know that there was life in me. So I accepted the born again term easily. Mm -hmm. yeah. That sounds like a fantastic start. So we have a doctor in the house and we have a Christian attorney. Will, how about you? How'd you meet Jesus? It was in 1997 or 98. I was planning on leaving San Diego to go back to live in L.A. I was going to room with my cousin up there, and I was taking the train to L.A. I gathered all my belongings, my bags and everything, kissed my mom goodbye, and I was an avid reader. I loved to read. And so I was looking around for a book, just anything to read. And funny thing is my mom had just finished cleaning the whole apartment and she left the Bible on the table. I guess for looks. I don't know. <laughs> so I took it with me and I got on the train from downtown San Diego. It was, meant, it was an Amtrak, supposed to go to L.A., and then I got on the train, had the Bible in my hand, and all of a sudden a couple in their mid-30s got on the train as well. It was a Labor Day weekend, remember that, and the husband looked at me with the Bible in my hand, and his response was, wow, reading the scriptures. And my response to him was, yeah. I don't know if I believe most of it, but I like reading it just for history's sake. And so I don't know why I made that comment, but I did. And then this man and his wife had, I found out later after the fact that this man and his wife had just left an evangelism conference that was taking place here <laughs> in San Diego. <laughs> this guy named Wendell was... He just began sharing the love of Christ with me. He spent the entire train ride from downtown San Diego to downtown L.A. talking to me about what the Lord did for us, just, the, just really explaining it in a way that no one had ever explained it to me before. 
And when we finally reached Union Station in L.A., as I was getting off the train, he and his wife stayed on, <clears throat> and he just looked at me as I was getting off the train, and he pointed at me. He said, now, remember what I told you, because the Holy Spirit is going to come and speak to you later on. That's awesome. <laughs> That's, those were his words. And I, and I gave him a polite nod just to acknowledge him, and then I got off the train. And when I got to the apartment that night, I felt there was a like a spiritual battle taking place over my body. There was no other way to describe it. It's like there was two forces grappling with each other or grappling over me. Maybe I would describe it that way better, is that they're grappling over me. Yeah. And I didn't sleep at all that night. The verse that, that this man, his name was Wendell, by the way, the verse he shared with me was from Ephesians chapter 2, which states that it is by faith that we are saved, not by works, uh, lest anyone should boast. And, and so the next morning, I got up. I went to work. I was working as a temp, a clerk at a community college. And I just had this heavy pull on my heart. It was a sense, there was an inaudible, I'll say inaudible voice saying, hmm. you need to go take care of this now. And if you don't, I didn't want to think about if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, went to the men's restroom of the place where I was working at, the community college up in LA. It was the only private place I could find, and I just said it out loud, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please come into my life. I receive you. And, and he did. And it was real. And I know a lot of people say that after they receive Christ, they get this, this great feeling of peace and comfort that just settles over them. And that was not my experience. I actually went through two straight weeks of mental torment. I was just hearing hearing like whispers of blasphemy, cursing God, and that, this went on for two weeks. Wow. And I literally thought I was going to lose my mind. I thought they were going to take me away in a straitjacket. And so I had a friend up there. Her name was Kathy, very charismatic, very Pentecostal. She loved the Lord. And I, I just went to her. She's the only person I knew who was a Christian, and I told her what was happening to me. And I'm glad I did because when I did, she said, okay, this is just the enemy trying to destroy you. He hates the fact that you came to Christ. So let's pray together. And we were in Glendale. We were sitting at her office in Glendale, and she prayed over me. And all of a sudden, it just all went away. Yeah. And that afternoon, that evening, I just had this, finally, I had this tremendous peace, the presence of the Lord. I still remember meeting two friends of mine for coffee at a uh, Starbucks on Colorado Boulevard. And as I'm going to the Starbucks, I just had this incredible sense of love. I just wanted to hug everyone coming down the <laughs> sidewalk on Colorado Boulevard. That's how real it was. Wow. It was awesome. And then I finally like, okay, this is the peace I've been wanting. Uh, and it came. And it's been great. It's been just the Lord has been faithful and good every single day when i read the bible and like we just went through the book of john that mm -hmm. was great and i always try to 
see myself in the story. Hmm. And especially when I hear life stories like this, the people that are listening, you could be that person on the train. And you need to step into it and be faithful. You need to be praying and you need to be looking for opportunities. Or that Christian who was the only Christian you knew up there, and right. then she prayed with you and there was such a powerful release. Yeah. Have you found that in the journey since then, that Christians have come alongside and supported, encouraged you? Angela, did you have that experience? Yours was a little you and Jesus. What happened after that? What was your journey with Jesus like? And did people come alongside you from the Christian community? Yeah, so I called my friend, Linda, and I told her, do you remember the book, the small book you gave me? And then she said, yeah. I told her I prayed this prayer. And then she said, wow, did you do that? I told her, yes. And what should I do now? She said, yeah. (laughs) She said, you need to spend time with the Lord and to read the Bible every day and to have fellowship with brothers and sisters. So what's it been since then? You've been walking with him for a while and, and how has the Lord been in your life? What's exciting is to see is that in my family, the Lord has transformed the lives of my siblings. About a year after I came to faith, my sister Lisa, I still remember her coming out into the living room and looking at me and just asked the question, who is God anyway? That was her question. And then within two years of that, she was a missionary in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and, and was some of that just her watching you? I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. The interesting thing is that I was, after I came to faith, I didn't have anybody mentoring me or discipling me. I didn't even know what that was. Yeah. I didn't even know that was needed. And so I was going to a Catholic church where they love the Lord, but they're more uh, seeped in their traditions. And I was going there for a couple of years until my sister Lisa said, hey, maybe we should go find somewhere where you're going to be fed more. And why don't we try church hopping just to see what's out there? This was before, actually, she left to go to Mexico. So it was her idea to find a church, and we did. And I started started church hopping with her. We ended up going to, to Shadow Mountain. Is it okay to say that church name? I love that church. (laughs) Absolutely. I have great friends at Shadow Mountain. Cool, cool. But it's interesting, too, because uh, my relationship with my dad was much more strained, difficult, full of tension. And just to see how Father God has taken that and has replaced the hatred and animosity with love and reconciliation and forgiveness and turning from enemies to friends. I'll watch I'll watch a basketball game with him or whatever sport might be on. And just to have share that time to have a hot tea with him while we're watching an NBA game. It's to me it's God's sense of humor because I never thought I would do that. I disowned him at one point in my life. And so God's grace, it's not just some ethereal thing that nobody can really describe concretely. It really changes lives. It really brings people who didn't like each other back yeah. together. And even 
causes them to love one another. Only God's grace can do that. Yeah, true. yeah. And that happened with my dad and me. And and uh, it's funny to watch God even soften his heart. I'm not sure exactly where he is, but he's very much a different man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is very cool. What about you, Angela? What has the Lord been? What has He done in your life and shown Himself to you? I had hope and love that I was seeking for. Because before knowing the Christ, I had everything I need. Like I had a beautiful family, the um, university that I was studying and group of people. And I did not need anything, but I needed hope. And the Bible says if, if our hope about Jesus is only in this life, so we are the worst, we are the worst people or something like that. I cannot translate it exactly. But so hope, if, if you base your hope on anything else, this will become hopelessness. But if, when you base your, you, when you put your hope based on Jesus, you will have it. And you will have it and you will not lose it because it's eternal, hmm. even after death. So um, I had hope in my life. And after I knew Jesus, I completed my journey to be a medical doctor and it was very successful. And I had really like a sound mind and peace, as we said, and I was studying less but getting more information. Oh, I like that. There's a lot of students listening to who want to get some of that. <laughs> <laughs> this is real. This is real because there was less struggles in my mind. I was settled. Mm. Something in my soul and spirit was settled. And I, I was like confident and happy. And even when I became a medical doctor, being a medical doctor is not fun. It's like you are, you are sharing people's pain and physical diseases and like working long, long hours. But still, if you have Jesus in your life, everything, even the bad thing will convert to good because you will have all this peace and love and joy. And when you work, you'll not do it like something, oh, I have to work. I hate it, but I need it. Yeah. It's not like that. This will become your ministry and you are working not to please a man but to please Jesus. So there is no feeling of threatening. Oh, I need to take care of job. It's because you don't depend on job. The Lord is giving you money. Right. But it's just the ministry. I'm working the, I'm working for him. And it's a ministry and I'm making a living of it too. So that's one thing that's interesting to me and I want to talk about a little bit. How have you been able to minister in your professions? We're talking to a doctor and a lawyer. How is your faith, how have you been able to minister Jesus in those professions? Can you give me some examples, some stories? Sure. I know that as a family law attorney, I speak with a lot of people who are you can just tell from the way they speak and interact, they're riddled with fear, anxiety. You'd be surprised how many people, litigants, clients have that kind of anxiety. It's just an ongoing thing with them. And part of that, I noticed the byproduct of that is that people jump to conclusions quicker because that's what fear does. And I can say a lot of the time at work, I'm not just giving people legal advice, I'm giving them life advice. I have been able to share 
Christ with some clients in the past, but even if I'm not specifically sharing the gospel, there is something meaningful about being used of God to say, hey, let's take it easy. Maybe this really negative, nightmarish thing that you're expecting to happen may not actually happen. Have you ever thought of that? I can say in the last two years, I'm sure I've sounded like a broken tape recorder in telling my clients, let's not just expect the worst to happen. Let's just wait and see what happens. And just saying that, you can tell, you can actually hear the sigh on the other end of the phone. And if the Lord is using me just to profess that, in addition, we want to profess Christ and share the gospel above everything. But if I'm comforting people in just that simple way, that's pretty cool too. <laughs> yeah, it's like acting like Jesus. Yeah, you know, I want to take the, I want to jump in on this opportunity. I research thousands of hours. No, I don't. But <laughs> I, I did. I wanted to take a look because of just your demeanor, your your presence, and so I wanted to hop on your website and see what a Christian attorney looks like. <laughs> and there's a guy, and everybody can go on your website and see it for themselves. But he said, there's someone that you serve that I think Jesus is well-pleased. He said, on, as an advocate for you, divorce is an emotionally taxing journey that can leave you feeling lost and vulnerable. However, amidst the storm, I found a true guiding light in attorney William Hennish. And it goes on, and I'll just read some of the end. He fought fiercely for what was fair and just, ensuring that my rights were protected every step of the way. It was evident that he genuinely cared about the outcome of my case. And that level of dedication was a driving force in achieving a favorable resolution. But during a time when I felt at my weakest, William was my pillar of strength. His professionalism, compassion, and unwavering dedication in my case not only secured a favorable outcome, but also provided me with the emotional support I needed to persevere. He was not just my attorney, but a true ally in my journey toward ending an old chapter and creating a brand new chapter in life. And I'm not trying to give a commercial for you, but I'm telling you this, Christians need to do good work and they need to share Christ with them. Even if you're not quoting chapter and verse, you're sharing truth and wisdom and compassion. This is how we're supposed to be, no matter what our profession is. What about you, Angela? Have you been able to see Jesus in your profession? Mm, Sure. I was an anesthesiologist and anesthesia is something not easy like it's putting someone to death and raise him again (laughs) (laughs) that's not easy (laughs) thank god i did not lose any patient during my journey but i remember almost i did this with almost everyone before i put them to anesthesia i used to, to look at them and then to tell them god loves you and jesus loves you and he's, he's here if you want to take him as a savior. And you know what? Most patients said yes. Wow. <laughs> because this, so every one of us sometimes when you, when we give, when someone gives us the, the salvation message, sometimes people, they used to say, oh, not today, maybe tomorrow. Maybe I'm so young. 
no, I'm alive, I'm healthy. Why should I give my life to Jesus? Or sometimes, oh, if I live my, I, if I give my life to Jesus, I would not be able to do things that they are apparently ple- like good, but yeah. they are actually, they don't bring happiness to our right. heart. But when people, they are in this situation and they are, they know that they are, I will give them anesthesia and they feel like, oh, wow, what's this? So most of them, they said yes. And some of them prayed with me before giving them the anesthesia. And I used to promise them, I promise you that you will get up again. So this is beautiful. Yeah. And I, some, yeah, I agree with you. And you said the work or occupation gives Christians a golden opportunity to deal with people because it's like when you sit even i had a friend and he used to talk about jesus every day and he used to say something and i learned from him when you sit in the bus and there's someone beside you you should he's he used to tell me you should talk with him about jesus i like him (laughs) because this is opportunity because this guy is not here is like the Lord brought him beside you, and he and who knows when he will meet the next Christian in his life. So everyone needs Jesus because Jesus is love. So everyone around us is looking for love. Yeah. Some they try to get some more money to get satisfied, but the true need is love. Some got into bad relationships because they need love. We need to talk about Jesus, and besides this, we need to have. A, very good reputation yeah because if we do not we are not doing good enough we are not honest we are not doing good and our respecting time and doing the work in a very good situation no one will listen to us but we need to do both we need because jesus did both he worked and then he talked so we need to learn from him we need to work good to do good then we need to be ready to talk agreed Couldn't have said it better myself. Hey, I did want to put something out there that you and I discussed because I have had the opportunity. I have a friend named Ken Hoyt, who is a family law attorney. He's in downtown San Diego, and he's helped out many people in our church. But you made me aware, and I think you're the president of the San Diego Christian Aid Clinic? I'm actually the vice president. Okay, I want to make sure it's accurate. (laughs) And what does that organization do? San Diego Christian Legal Aid Clinic sees that there's a need for people in general just to have access to justice. And we understand that not everybody can walk into a private law firm and hire whatever attorney they like to hire. A lot of, I should say, that there are three legal clinics throughout San Diego County. There are two in North County. And then the third one is in East County, where I serve with my friend Cheryl, who's a paralegal. It's at Rock Church in El Cajon. And we meet uh, You can there. mention that church, too. Okay, They're my you. friends, too. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. And so we meet on the third Saturday of every month from 9 to 12, and uh, we just schedule people who are in need of legal advice, just guidance. Um, if we can't specifically help them, then we'll send them to an attorney or firm or agency that can. And a lot of our clients are indigent. We've had homeless, we've had veterans, we've had a lot of single moms. We help out with not just one area of law, it's like 
creditors, debtors' rights, credit card issues, landlord-tenant, family law, a little bit of probate. Some people need criminal law help. And so we have a group of attorneys, believing attorneys, who are on hand ready to help. And then I can't say thank you enough. I want to use this moment to just say thank you to Lindsay and Cheryl, who have been great at matching up the counselee with the right attorney. That's not an easy task, especially with scheduling. And I've been involved for about six years now, and we're really trying to promote it just to let people know that they can get help, that if they're facing a legal dispute, they don't have to feel helpless or lost. They can look us up. I'll tell you, years ago, the Lord um, put on my heart that I was supposed to get a little prayer table right outside the courthouse in downtown Oklahoma with a little sign that said, Need Prayer. And I found out every single Friday while I was there for a couple of hours, everybody wants prayer when they're going to court. That's true. And you can get so lost in it. And people gave their lives to the Lord. And so thank you for what you're doing because that that is a ministry. That's incredible. Yeah, and I just wanted to add, since you brought that up, is – we pray, we ask the counselees if we can pray with them. And I don't think I have the right, the exact percentage to mind, but I think I can confidently say like 95% yeah. of the counselees will say, yes, please pray. Yeah. Many of them are believers. The ones who are not are being exposed and they encounter Christ and the love he offers. So, so good. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I just want to tell you, it was as good as I thought it was going to be. I just really appreciate you taking time out and coming and sharing all of this. And I really sincerely uh, hope that people see themselves in the story and who they can be in their profession. And whether they're on a train or they're on a bus, that they're prepared to share Christ because absolutely positively we're all sent. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen to that. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Bye bye.